0: Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the wild, where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. But I have a lot of ground to cover in a very short amount of time. And I think that it's important that we take notes. Um, Whether you're an established church person, you've been in church for a long time, I think today's a really good day to take notes um, just so you can read and go over and, and research and look at some of the things. We've got so much ground to cover. And if you're new, um, and this is like you're, you're new to the church world, there's going to be some things said today that you're going to be like, what in the world are we even talking about? I've never heard of any of this. Okay, It's good to take notes if you're new and you're not like, "What are, what are we talking about? It's good to take notes then as well because... The longer you're in church, you're going to run into somebody who will tell you one very extreme end of something we're talking about. And they'll probably take a verse out of context and tell you one thing or another. And it's going to be very confusing for you at some point. And it's nice to be able to go back and research and say, hey, you know what I remember? And look up the scriptures at that point. So I would encourage you, please, please take notes. Um, Also, if you would like to hear... The full list of things we believe on this. It is about a 25-minute YouTube video. Uh, it is on our Church in the Wild YouTube page. It is also on our Spotify podcast. Okay, so there is uh, about 25 minutes more that I had to get, take out of here uh, so we could be done in time. And we still might not be done in time. Um, so there's just a lot. And I would encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to go into that. Um, And then this, um, we're going to watch a a video in just a minute about one of our wildlife groups. But before we do that, I want to say this. Um, I made four good decisions in my life, all right? One of them was to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Another one was um, to marry my wife. Another one was to stop reading the Bible based off my background and what I thought I believed because someone told me when I was a child. And instead, read the Bible and say, okay, God, what is the Bible trying to tell me, and what is that? And and really begin to not apply my, my cultural life to it, but instead read it for what it's trying to say. So here's what will happen. There are people who will, that you maybe perhaps grew up very conservative. And so you're going to hear this and be like, I don't believe that, I don't know why, I just don't believe it. There's somewhere in here who are going to be much more progressive and a healthy church will have a heavy dose of both because a healthy church has people who don't agree with you in the congregations, which causes us all to research more. Okay. And some of you who are like more progressive or liberal be like, I don't agree with that either. I would just encourage you to remember, we are not, we are not conservative. We are not progressive. We are Bible people. So here at church in the wild, whatever the Bible says, that's what we believe. We don't add a grain of salt to it or take a grain of salt away. If it says it, we believe it. If it doesn't, we don't. All right, so please keep that in mind as we get into this. Um, Would you do me a favor though? Would you watch this video uh, about one of our wildlife groups and then we'll jump into the message. My
1: name is Cassandra Bailey and I co-lead Mom's group with Lori Beth. Mom's group to me is my favorite area of fellowship because I know when I come that my walk with Christ is currently where it needs to be. And if I'm feeling like it's a little off, this is what gets me back on my path to lead my daughters to glorify Christ. And ultimately that's what makes me feel renewed and rejuvenated each week. And I can see a huge difference in me as a person, in my career as a nurse, In my marriage, in my walk as a mother and leading my girls, when I come to mom's group, it renews me and it fills my cup. So this is what mom's group does for me.
0: A men's group uh, that meets yesterday. We had a great time. Uh, Saturday mornings, we have a married couples group that meets tonight. That one is awesome. It's really healthy and good. A young adult group that meets tonight. Shout out to the young adults, the best squad there is. Uh, Yeah, we have um, a ladies group, a men's group. We got just a lot of good, really good wildlife groups. And what they do is they study the Bible together in community. They pray together, spend time eating together, just having a good time getting to know each other better. And I think that's very important. Okay, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. All right, we're going to have to go through this section by section. I apologize to whoever's doing the slides today. I'm going to be all over the map if we don't do it this way. We talked about in, in week one of Begin Again how Jesus sent people on his mission. And we said, Church of the Wild, our mission is his mission. If he's about the mission, we're all about that mission. What he says, that's what we're wanting to do. But we talked about in week two, he told them to wait. And they had to wait to that for that mission. They were waiting they were all together in one place. Last week we talked about how you got to be in unity. Gathering and prayer leads to unity. And they were all together, gathered in prayer, unified. And this is the result of what we talked about that week. Okay, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. Now, I want to point out right here the word like is a very important word in the Bible. Okay? Okay. Um, What will often happen is if we don't read each word, we will become guilty of saying things like, oh, so the wind means if the wind's blowing, that's the Holy Spirit. So we will worship the wind. Okay, we need to make sure that we read the Bible for what it says, not what we think it says. Or we'll end up being people who will say, oh, so a hurricane was the Holy Spirit blowing and destroying a place and things like that. The Bible says like for a reason. Uh, Like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, like as a fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them. Okay, Um, These are very important. We'll talk about them in a minute. And They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together. They were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Very important part. Can't say that enough. In his own language. They were all amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? This is an important thing that they're asking. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. People would refer to us very affectionately as hillbillies, rednecks, Yupers all these wonderful very affectionate names that they gave us and what they were implying with all of those names is you guys are not very educated that's that was the that was the implication right so um people when they would call us those names they were not really calling it in the best way what's happening here is guys like peter james and john are not the most highly educated people and so they're not naturally fluent in seven different languages Okay, So when people are hearing them speak in multiple languages, people the Bible is pointing out these guys are not the most educated men in the room. So this is not a natural thing that they would just know how to speak all these different languages naturally. Okay, And then in verse 8, and how is it that we hear, again, each of us in his own native language? Then they're going to go through all the list of the languages, Parthians, Medes. Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them, and the Bible says it again, telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. There is always going to be a critic in the room, no matter what. And the Bible throws that in there like social media trolls. They were there back then, right? So they were still there. Um, Now I want to talk about these three things. Okay, let's talk about first of all the wind. Let's talk about the wind. Wind is very, very important. Now the Bible, we we said this says it was like a mighty rushing wind, but wind is very, very important in the Bible. What happened at the creation of man? God breathed. He blew wind into man. He breathed and man began to breathe. He went from being a a useless form into someone who was alive. And he had purpose. He had life. He had power at creation because of the breath, the wind of God. Okay? Um, At the Red Sea. The children of israel are trapped they have nowhere to go the egyptians are coming after them they're hopelessly outnumbered they're not able to fight what does the bible say a great wind begins to blow and the waters are divided and they go free at that moment god is creating a brand new nation one who is no longer slaves Thank God for that because it's also a metaphor for us and we are no longer slaves and we are able to be free. And God is creating with that wind a brand new nation symbolizing that they have life and they have power. At the Jordan River, the children of Israel have wandered in their own mistakes. They've made tons of mistakes. They've wandered in their own sin. They're at a river. They're ready to enter the promised land. And God again blows with the wind, and the wind divides the water, and the children of Israel enter into their new land that God has created for them. Wind typically is a metaphor for the power, the life, and the creation of God. So in Acts chapter 2, when the great wind begins to blow, it is symbolizing that God is creating something brand new. It's called the church. And he's not only creating the church, he is creating it full of life and of power. And this is what that symbolizes. Next, fire. We recognize that in the Old Testament, there's lots of accounts of fire. There is the, um, the burning bush that Moses encounters. It's this bush that's on fire, and yet it does not get consumed. There is, of course, animal sacrifices all through the Old Testament. What would happen is every now and then they would build these, these, these sacrifices and fire would fall down and it would consume the sacrifice. There is the pillar of fire leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness and into the promised land. And then, of course, there is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, at some point, becomes so overcome with the presence of God that fire descends on this mountain, and no one can go near it but Moses. Fire in the Bible represents the presence or the glory of God, and it signifies the purity or the light of God. And so, what is uniquely different about the day of Pentecost is Is not that there is just one tongue of fire, but one on every person who is in that room, all 120 of them, because the Bible is signifying that he is creating a new thing called the church. He is purifying it to be a light to the world, and he is doing that through all of them. That is why we don't believe that it's my mission to change the world and your job to just come sit down and watch me do it. That's why we believe that we are the church. It is not me that is the church. It is all of us together. We are the church. Because individual tongues of fire fell on individual members. And God created and purified His church and made it to be a light to the world. Next, the one that is, everyone's wondering about, the one that's controversial. No one cares about the wind because, I mean, truthfully, who's going to ask, hey, Holy Spirit, blow wind on my face, my hair's a wreck, right? No one's going to ask, Holy Spirit, descend like a fire on top of my head. Have you ever smelled burning hair, right? Like, that's not a pleasant thing. I, one time, with a bunch of young adults, was uh, barbecuing, and somebody poured a bunch of uh, charcoal lighter fluid on the charcoal and shut the lid of the thing and walked off, and I didn't know this. And I walked over and opened it up and lit the thing. And it was like within seconds, I was like, whoo, just covered in flame. I could hear myself screaming, I'm not going to lie, like a six-year-old kid. Like maybe like a six-year-old girl. I mean, just whoo, like I, I was screaming. It melted my shorts pretty much off not a great thing. Uh, My hair was singed off. I had second degree burns all down my arm. I was like on fire for a hot second. It It was chaotic. I have never in my life Holy Spirit, please do that again, right? That's not what any of us want. What people love is this next one and what we're going to talk about is this next one. But to understand tongues and to understand what happens at the day of Pentecost, we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth and the lord god came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built and the lord said behold they are one people they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible let us come down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech so the lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them all over the face of the earth. So follow me along here. Up until Genesis chapter 11, there is one language. And everyone speaks that one language. But pride and arrogance begins to rear its ugly head. And the people begin to be arrogant over the fact we are one united nation and we will not listen to God. We know that earlier in Genesis, he told us to disperse and spread out all over the land. We don't need to listen to him because we can all accomplish better things together. It sounds so good, but it was arrogant. It was arrogance that was causing them to do this. So God confused their language and divided them over the face of the earth. Jump all the way back to the day of Pentecost and there is once again a problem going on with the world. And that problem is the same and it's the same problem we face today and that's arrogance. At this point, the children of Israel are once again, they are, they are, they are captives to Rome and they have children of Israel who are dispersed all over the world and there is this, this problem with many of them. Who they begin to, well, you're not a true child. You're not a true child. Well, you're over here. And there's another sense of arrogance. And then God moves and the Holy Spirit descends. And God does something that once again, does, it does not divide this time. It unites them. And what he does is he enables them to speak in their own language. And it is heard in all the other languages of people all around them. The Bible says this over and over again in Acts chapter 2. They heard it in their own language. This is equivalent to something that Rajiv sent me. It is his church praying for me in their dialect in India. And it is extremely clear to me, through the Spirit as they are praying... That they are praying for me by name, that I will be healed from the stroke I had just endured, that my family will be okay, that our church will be okay. And they are praying for healing and strength and power, and I can hear my name every now and then in it. And every time I am brought to tears because I understand exactly what they're saying, even though they're saying it in another language. This is what occurs on the day of Pentecost. The children of Israel. The, 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 the beginning of the church they begin to speak in Galilean and people from all over the world hear it in their language why because language can unite and it can be used to spread the gospel like fire so all of these people gather together hear it in their own language and they take that word that they hear about jesus christ and they go to the ends of the world and the church begins to explode in growth because language unites us it unites us until the tower of babel they spoke one language at babel they were divided and spoke multiple tongues at pentecost they spoke one language heard in multiple languages The gift of tongues was to unite as a way of sharing the gospel, not to separate by giving unique special languages to unique special people. It was to be a way of uniting and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to point out this verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 19. It says this, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Our language should always be used to unify one another with each other and to share the gospel with the lost. It may be that you speak in English and they hear in another language. We believe at Church in the Wild That in about 98 to 99% of the times that tongues is mentioned in the Bible, it is using the word languages. It is referencing this idea of a child of God speaking in their native tongue and somebody else hearing it in their native tongue and accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, our belief according to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the use of tongues is our, is our word for languages, and we can at times miraculously be given the ability to speak in another language so that the lost can hear it in theirs. There is perhaps, I'm going to say perhaps, a private tongue that can be used to pray to the Holy Spirit as discussed in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. This is where people begin to get really confused by this this concept. There is only used, um, but, okay, but this should only be used in the case of between one to three people in a very rare occurrence when the Holy Spirit overwhelms you and the gift is given at your salvation, not in a special other moment later on as someone else tells you you have received it, is given to you at your salvation. There are those who believe, that they, in private, they may cry out to God in words they cannot understand, and we recognize that this may be able to happen. So here's what we mean by this. This definition of 1 Corinthians fourteen two is different than the rest of the definitions about languages. It's this idea that you're not in your mind, and you're trying to communicate to God, but you just don't know what to say, and so the Holy Spirit speaks it for you. This is typically what we in America will hear when the word tongues is described. Not languages, but we'll typically hear this and think this. And we would say that perhaps that definition may be correct, but we would add that the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 a lot of people will read one verse and decide. But if you read the entire chapter, it says that it is meant to be used in p- private. In fact, the Bible says it is never to be used in church, but only to use to give to the lost. So there is that argument as well, that it's not ever to be done except for to the lost. But we believe that you may perhaps receive this, this ability to pray to God in private And we would encourage you to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and listen to our YouTube channel so we can break all of what that means down. But here's the the definition for us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it should not be done in public because it does one thing. It edifies only the one doing the speaking. Let me tell you one story. This is a funny story when I was like 10 or 12. uh, It didn't start off funny, but we were at a state fair and I was walking along, and a man near, nearby had fallen over. He had had a heart attack, and, and I was one of the first people there. And we called 911, and people began to do CPR, and they rushed in. And we a bunch of us believers who were all from different churches, none of us knew each other. We all began to pray. So we're gathered together. We're all holding hands. Besides, there's one dear old saint who has a NASCAR shirt and a mullet. She's not holding hands because she's off in the back with her Mountain Dew and her, and her cigarette, and she's praying out loud in the back. The rest of us are holding hands, we're all praying, and I begin to hear someone do something I had never heard it up until this point. They begin to mumble, and I'm like, okay, all right, and they get louder, and then they begin to get louder, and they begin to get louder, and finally, at one point, this person says, hey, I just healed him. The rest of you, stop praying. You're interrupting me, and this other lady across from her says, no, you didn't. I interpret tongues. You cursed him. And then they begin to yell at each other while the rest of us are praying. And at this point, the dear old saint with the the, the Mountain Dew and the cigarette and the NASCAR shirt says, Hey, the man's dying. Shut up and pray. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, right. We all go back to praying. This was somebody who was using what should have been done in private to edify themselves. They were angry when other people were praying that their prayer was not louder than everybody else's prayer. Okay? So, This should be done in private because it says, according to 1 Corinthians 14, it is very seldom if it ever blesses anyone or lifts up anyone besides the person doing the talking. So while we would say there is perhaps the ability and the right for you to have a private other language that you pray with in God, that perhaps we would say that, We believe the universal use of tongues is the universal use of languages to shed and spread the gospel everywhere that we go. And 1 Corinthians 14 adds, this is not something we should seek. It is not something we should ask for. It is something that only happens supernaturally, and it should be so regulated and and restricted by Paul, who was one of the ones who was speaking for it. He urged so many restrictions that it only be done in, in private and only be done in its proper, decent form and order. At Church in the Wild, we also believe in spiritual gifts, as we'll talk about in just a minute, but we also believe in spiritual leadership. And we believe they can, they can go hand in hand together. And so we would say, if you have this unique gift and you have this private tongue, but you want to use it publicly to tell somebody else what it is that you're saying, we would love for you to first go to the elders and discuss with the elders what it is God is saying so that we know what is being said because we believe in spiritual leadership. And we believe, first and foremost, the use of tongues is to spread the gospel in your own language so nobody's liking this so a couple of belief on tongues as the use of not different languages okay so this is a couple of things that are used um when when we say tongues we're saying languages but for people who believe differently they would say tongues are an angelic voice there's a couple things that that you need to believe understand and i would encourage you to write uh take notes some believe that all gifts ended when the bible ended so there's this belief called cessationism that says, well, you cannot speak in other languages and you cannot have this private voice because all things have ended as soon as the Bible was written. They said because it says the perfect one has come. We all understand, I hope, I, I believe very strongly the Bible is perfect, okay? I hope that you agree with me. At Church of while we believe the Bible is perfect, we have details matter in our core values because we believe every word of God is inspired, well, that's not what we believe that verse is talking about because in just one or two verses later, the Bible says that we shall see him face to face. We believe that all spiritual gifts will end when Jesus Christ is on this earth and he rules and he reigns and we see him face to face because we will live under his power. And according to Revelations chapter 7, I think it's verses 9 through 10, we will all once again speak the same language with him. But we do not believe that all gifts have just ended simply because the end of the first century happened. I don't believe that that's a biblical concept. We see miracles. We see vision, prophecy. We see these things happening even in our world today. And the Bible says that your young men at the end of days shall see visions. They shall prophesy. It says these things will happen again. So at Church of the Wild, we do not believe that cessationism has happened where no one, can ever have another gift from God because, well, the Bible is completed. We do believe that you might probably don't necessarily need a special language to draw you closer to God because you do have the Bible and Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in your soul to help you draw close enough to Him without that. Next, some say if you do not have the gifts of tongue, then you are not saved. And I will not be shy about this. I believe that that is absolute heresy. Jesus is not recorded as speaking in tongues. And we are Christians because we believe in Jesus Christ and we follow him. So if the founder of what we believe is not recorded doing it, then we don't think you have to do it in order to be saved. We believe That salvation occurs when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is not when suddenly you get the ability to speak a different language. It is only when you accept Jesus that you are saved. Now next, some will say that you must be baptized and speak in tongues and then you're saved. They'll add that in. But once again... Although Jesus was baptized, we see him saying to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. And the man did not get off the cross and go get in a pool of water and then come back. That did not happen. And so we believe that that is not a biblical mandate for salvation. The thief on the cross did not show Anywhere in any of the Gospels that he got down, the Romans were like, you know what? We'll kill you tomorrow. Come back after you're baptized and you can speak in a different language. That didn't happen. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Still others will say, you need to receive a second baptism later so that you will then receive this power. We believe that we receive all that we need from God at salvation, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We believe that God has already made us complete in Christ, according to Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And 2 Peter 1, 3, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. What we believe is I'm gonna I, I wrote it all down. So the baptism with Holy Spirit occurs the moment a person is saved. It is not the same experience as salvation, but happens at the time of salvation. It is not a second experiencing, experience following conversion. God has given believers everything in Christ. When we are saved, we are complete in Him. We lack nothing. There is nothing else for Him to give to us. Nowhere are believers commanded to receive a second blessing that gives them power. All power is readily available. The power of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life is something that should strongly be desired. Some who have legitimately experienced the Spirit power label the encounter as baptism with the Holy Spirit, whereas the Scripture calls us to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we believe. You don't need to get second-baptized to receive the Holy Spirit you receive him at salvation however you can be filled with the Holy Spirit daily and he can empower you to live in a broken fallen world just like he did the church at the day of Pentecost you can have a day of Pentecost experience every day of your life by being filled with the Holy Spirit But we do not believe that it is a requirement for an entirely different experience. We baptize at Church in the Wild in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have three people present at baptism to represent all three. Why? Because Jesus went down into the water and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And God the Father said, this is my beloved Son. So we have three people in all of our baptisms to represent that. Now, some of you right now are like, okay, how does this apply to my life at all? Okay, so let me just sum everything up. Worship team, you guys can, can come back up. We'll finish in just a minute. We don't ban the use of tongues in private prayer. If there's two or three of you praying and you believe, you know what, I just can't under, I, I just can't say what God is trying to tell me to say, and I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to ask him to speak it, we are not going to ban it. However, we don't believe that that is the use of tongues. We believe that the use of tongues is languages, but we would never say to someone, simply because you believe a little bit differently than us, you're not allowed to be who you want to be. Again, language was supposed to unify. As soon as they became filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened? Peter began to share the gospel. We are less concerned with you desiring a special tongue and far more concerned with what you do with the one God has already blessed you with. I would rather you speak five words in your natural tongue than ed- that edify others and share the gospel than I would you come in and say 10,000 words in another special language that no one understands and only edifies you. I would prefer that you are passionate about edifying others in the language and tongue that God already gave you, then you be consumed with, God, give me a different one. God is a God of principles. And what does God do with his principles? You have two talents and you use them wisely, I'll give you four. You have five, you use them wisely, I'll give you ten. Why would God bless anyone with a second magical language if they're rude and unkind and refuse to share the gospel with their natural one. I don't find that. I'll tell you one more story. I had a friend. He worked at a church. There was a man down in the front. He and I were both there. We legitimately thought the man was having a seizure. He was trying to be polite. The man started shaking and and like on the ground and he went and he said, hey, and he grabbed the man, are you okay? And this man began to then swear at him and threatened to kill him to the point where for one week straight the man showed up where we worked every day and tried to kill this man until we got the police to take the man away. This is a man who is claiming he has this special tongue but clearly is not managing the one God has already blessed him with in the first place. This is what we are talking about. We believe the use of languages is to lift up Jesus Christ and share Him with everyone around us that is possible to share with. And we believe that every now and then, God will use our English language to be heard in Portuguese, to be heard in French, to be heard in, uh, in Spanish, to be heard in all these different languages all the world. We believe that that can happen, but we are far more concerned with whether or not you cut down other believers and are rude to other believers with the tongue God gave you and whether or not you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The primary purpose, if I haven't been controversial yet, I'm about to be, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not to divide us by giving us special secret superpowers that nobody else understands so it makes them not as good as us. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to unify the church to share the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. The gospel of Jesus, the one who saved you, the one who redeemed you, the one who created you, the one who bought you back when you were lost in your sins. We are passionate about sharing his message, and we believe the Holy Spirit will fill us to be able to do that. So you can stand to your feet. We're going to sing here in just a minute. I would strongly encourage you to watch our YouTube video because our time's gone and I got about 40 more minutes left that I need to speak. So stand to your feet. We're going to worship one more time. What are you doing with the voice God has given you? Now, some of you right now are like, yeah, told them. What do you do with your voice? Are you right about something and not right about sharing that thing with others? Are you more consumed with, I know what I believe, and not telling anybody about it? We as the church should be filled and empowered to share the gospel everywhere, with everyone. And God will remove obstacles and unify us as we do this. He will remove barriers of language and space and time. And he performs wonderful miracles all the time. We see him working. And I believe that he is working right now. Last week in the middle of worship, God began to work in my heart about something that I could not explain apart from the Holy Spirit is now filling me and working on this thing that I need to be worked on. I, I, I got, we gotta be done. I got one more story. I was at a Hillsong concert. I don't know if you have a hard time standing right now. Try going to a Hillsong concert. It's like three hours of standing and jumping around. And about halfway through, in the middle of this song about how great God is, I'm singing, and I'm into it, and I'm worshiping. Lance had the full Jason worship experience last week by sitting by me, and I just go crazy, right? And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, God says, okay, cool, but what about that one pastor that you criticized? And I was like, oh... I had to get on my knees in the middle of a concert, surrounded by 10,000 people, some of them pastors I knew, one of them the guy that I criticized, and beg God to forgive me for the words that I had used. If that's not the Holy Spirit, what is? If God can do that, He could do anything in and through us. We can change the world if we will stop being so distracted, sidetracked, and divided and begin to unite under loving and being kind and gracious to everyone. Listen, there are people who believe that if you speak with another tongue, you are demon-possessed. And there are people who believe that if you don't speak with another tongue, then you are demon-possessed. And we would say, we don't agree with either of those, but we want to love everyone, whether they agree with us or not. And we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with every word in our tongue everything that we have within us is for him and only him. So let's use our gift of tongues and let's sing with the top of our heart and with all of our voice as we worship God today.